Contestant? Uh. I like to randomly attend beauty pageants, you see, because I like to remember back when I used to look like Harrison Ford and <laughs> women would ask me to whip them. This is gross and I want out of this conversation. So, welcome everybody to No Time for Love, Dr. Jones, where we follow the fictional adventures of Dr. Henry Walton Jones Jr. as he bounces off of real world history and important figures. I'm your host, Jamie Chambers, and this is my sister, Bambi. Hello. Uh, this, if you're hearing our voices now, that means you are one of our paid subscribers on ChainsawHistory.com, and we love and appreciate you. Yay. Thank you. Uh, you're going to get access to this and the value of series and other bonus content that we put up on the site. So uh, we appreciate you. Tell your friends to do the same, and they can hear more of this. Our goal in this show is to mostly follow along the television show in chronological order. And normally that's pretty easy to figure out, especially because the early episodes have literal fucking dates in the titles. However, uh, this is where it instantly gets complicated, like in episode two, <laughs> because um, this one's a little weird. It, the show we're talking about today was originally intended for the third season of the, sh of the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, and it was going to be titled Tangier, July 1909. So nice, helpful date. Now, chronologically speaking, that would have made it at least a few episodes down the line for us, and, and little Henry would have already been 10 years old. But this episode never aired on television. Because of reasons? Well, it's uh, the reasons being it was very canceled. Yeah. <laughs> so, but they had already shot the entire thing. So when they repackaged the show for home video, they just cut George Hall out completely as old indie. Um, and they just edited it together with the story we covered last time about Egypt, and just uh, and then called it my first adventure. And they actually got um, the kid who played young Indy to do the narration, which is why every once in a while, even in the cut we watch, you'll hear a little boy narrating because they're like, you know, they they took out old Indy. I've been the one as, who narrates. As they should. They, they took it away. I know. I, I completely disagree. I'm fighting for the better. It's better than. It's gosh, so I, bad. Gosh, golly gee, I missed my dog, Indiana. No, I will take old Indy any day of the <laughs> fucking week. The old child abuser. So anyway, so because they decided to pair this with the last episode we, we talked about last week, um, it kind of rewinds everything in terms of the timeline and makes it take place as the next thing Henry did after the whole deal with Lawrence of Arabia in Egypt. So now um, we saw Ned bicycle away heroically after a murderer. Yeah, and Indy can't let that go. Yep, and ever. he's still holding on to it. Uh, and so that was so now our adventure takes place vaguely in the spring of 1908. So he's still nine years old. And I know it broke your heart that there was no old indie scene to kick this episode off and it just jumped straight into the old days. But don't you worry. I've got a special surprise for you where we get to the end today. Oh, joy. But let's get into the plot. I don't know. I'm making this up as I go. In this section, we talk about the plot and major story points of the episode. So, Bambi. Here is all we know about the old indie section that was shot but cut. Um, this is according to indianajones.fandom.com. Quote, the teleplay for the episode indicates that the framing bookends involved the elderly Indiana Jones being present at a beauty pageant slash talent show. His story 
which reveals that Omar eventually gained his freedom when Morocco abolished slavery, and the boys maintain their friendship, inspires one of the contestants to follow her own passions rather than continuing to be pressured by her overbearing mother, unquote. So we'll get more on this. So for whatever reason, old Indiana Jones is just at a young girl's, like, that's so teenage girl fucking weird. Beauty pageant with no like no indication that he has like a granddaughter or some fucking reason to be. He's just, he's just he's, some kind of random ass pedophile. Being a weird old creep, just going to a beauty pageant and talk and chatting up the girls. Uh, so I don't know. We I I haven't seen the whole script, so that's all we know so far. So, but that's that's the old indie section. So in talk of the actual story, which you did you did watch. I did watch it. Uh, so, I didn't enjoy it, but I watched it. Here we go. So as we see, our adventure begins as the Jones family plus Miss Seymour are headed to Morocco in North Africa. And when asked, you know, what Morocco is like, one of the first things Dr. Jones is sort of excited to tell his son is, and this exciting foreign land is that they still own slaves. Yeah, and at first he was like, oh, gee, Willikers, what's what's slavery Gosh, like? what's a slave? Oh. <laughs> I'm my wholesome apple pie life. It means I don't know nothing about slavery. Yeah. It's, it, it's very cringy. It's, and meanwhile, it's cringy once again, from the start. And Dr. Jones Sr. just a little bit too into it. You see, Junior, <laughs> they're slaves. And the mom's like horrified. Let's not talk about that. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And, and yeah, Henry gets a little annoyingly interested on the topic and had to be told to shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the deck of the steamship, Dr. Jones, and once again, it's, every time I'm mentioning Dr. Jones, in this case, it's yes. always uh, our, a senior. He's giving um, a presentation to the Sultan of Morocco. And yeah, like, and, and he, he like flipped out because he lost his he, book. Well, he, no, was, he was like <laughs> sitting on it because he's an absent-minded professor and needs his wife desperately to take care of him, clearly. He's like, oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. What would I do without you? I will let you out of your nightly beatings. Then <laughs> um, so, it would be staying um, with a man named, ding, ding, first historical figure, Walter Harris. An old friend who was a correspondent for the London Times. And this is back when you could be like a rich foreign correspondent. Miss um, Seymour declares that he sounds like a thoroughly respectable person. And is he? No, none of this is respectable. <laughs> All of it's cringy. So we get a, some lovely establishing shots of Morocco. You do you get to see some of that money. On yeah, the, again, the one thing about the show is the cinematography is absolutely it is gorgeous. stunning. The, the, you can't, it's not, this one wasn't remastered and it was a little weird and grainy. But but still, just mm-hmm. like the the actual like location shooting they do, it looks great. Yeah, it's beautiful. And, and especially realizing this was like television in the 90s. It, this was expensive shit. Um, and so the really gorgeous, yeah, the visuals on this are, are great. And uh, so then Walter Harris introduces himself. He, he does look very much like a respectable British gentleman. He's all dressed up nicely. Um, and at dinner, he tells the Joneses that he arranged tea with the Sharifa of Jebel, an English woman named Ding 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 Emily Keane. So we have another historical, historical personage that we're going to meet. Um. For the record, I have no idea who these people were. Yeah, no, I, I went into this, and I'm, I'm sure that maybe I'd heard of Walter Harris because of that time period, and I got really interested in those kinds of um, people who especially went to Africa. Like, one of my 
no longer, but when I was younger, one of my heroes was uh, Sir Richard Francis Burton, this explorer colonizer dude who, who went in and liked to dress up and as the natives and see all you their have a lot and, of cringy heroes no, well, that's the thing you know that yeah i had 100%. cindy lopper and i still stand by it <laughs> uh so anyway i think i might have heard of walters but i certainly didn't remember him when we watched this episode and i don't know that i ever heard of this the, the sharifa chick but i learned a little bit that we'll talk about in that appropriate section later on so yeah, Walter says the uh, Sharifa came over from England and seven years ago married the Sharifa. Emily Keene went uh, to be the Sharifa, the feminine, I mean, the wife of the Sharif. So he's like a, a very special Moroccan uh, native who himself is a descendant of the Prophet Muhammad, which is the first time, the second episode, we've got a little bit, a touch of, of Muslim religion explained in front of little Henry. Um so while walking the streets, uh, Henry decides to stomp in a mud puddle and splashes his father's coat. Yeah, and he was, you could tell that he, he was about to get beaten. It's like, uh, at last, I'm in a country where it doesn't mind <laughs> when I beat children in public. Um, but yeah, funny enough, like when I watched the second time, it was like really sloppy editing and mm -hmm. camera work because you could see that the stain was already on his jacket Good. before. It was just, come on, people, try harder. <laughs> Little editing could have fixed that. But anyway, um, so Junior, did you see what you did? And and you, you just wonder what kind of terrifying punishments Dr. Jones has in mind for later uh, because he's trying to impress the Sharifa at tea. And then all of a sudden, a local man screams something in Arabic at them. Um, and the subtitles tell us, you are a dog of the Christians. And he keeps yelling, Christian dog! And as he walks on. away. Yeah, he spits. I mean, he's not... Uh, pleased with these white people yeah well you know imagine why why would morocco who is like completely had like multiple countries attempting to colonize it at the same time why they would be pissed at the christians yeah it's it's all cringy and again it's like they they framed it at least i i guess i don't know I gotta say, uh, I, I will say this both in the last episode and this one. You know, the, at it was, least it, it seemed is, even though, even though the white people are always our heroes in this story, mm -hmm. the other people, but, but this really does always try to get, seem to give multiple viewpoints and respect for these other cultures. I think I think that was one of George Lucas's mission statements was to try, you know, in a Captain Planet sort of, <laughs> you know, like naively optimistic, you know, way, and obviously through a very cringy. Or like I hope to, to God that this is the cringiest episode there is. Oh, I really, oh. really hope so. Because oh, this one was bad. Oh, Bambi. <laughs> I got some bad news for you. but Oh, oh, good. Something I, I, to look forward I, I, I can't, to. I can't let you have hold on to any fleeting hope. Um, anyway, so they got abused on the street, but then they arrive at the home of the Sharifa. Um, Walter shows off that he is both fluent in Arabic and, and just complete absolute comfort with the native customs. The home is gorgeous. It's richly appointed and a complete contrast to the poverty you saw immediately outside in the dirt and beggars in the street. Yeah, um, the squalor. Yeah. And, and Henry immediately spots a lizard over by a fountain and starts playing with it and even wants to sneak it inside to tea. Um, Walter introduces the Jones family to the Sharifa who claims... It is always pleasant to meet Americans, which was a line that just made me laugh. That's what everybody says yeah. about how pleasant Americans are. Our international reputations, just the best. Oh yeah, we're. Uh. 
of course in 1908 it would actually be kind of quaint because we were not a big deal back then we're kind of right off you know yeah post-spanish american war pre-world war ones this sort of where it's like america's had its coming out party but we really haven't hit the stage quite yet as we will um anyway so i thought that was just a funny little line and then like i said henry tries to sneak the lizard in but uh dr jones is uh, knows that his son is like a little dennis the menace and he's like uh just give it a try, Junior, and I'll show you what I'm going to do about it. I mean, honestly, at this point, I would be for Henry just beating the shit out of him. Just get that little bastard. Try and, sucks. <laughs> try and stay out of trouble. He can't stay out of trouble because he sucks. <laughs> at tea, the white British and Americans are being served by black household slaves. Yeah, and then the, the old lady mm. just gives Henry... Yeah. <laughs> a slave to play with. We are about to get to that. Just something to note <laughs> that all the white people are being attended to by the black slaves. Um, and Mrs. Jones uh, tells their hostess about the whole getting spit on and screamed at in the street. And that's a little troubling. Like, what's with the like religious prejudice, yo? They wonder, like, well, why did this Sharifa, she was accepted in this like mixed race, uh, mixed religion home. And she says it's because she doesn't uh, enforce her beliefs down people's throats, unlike other Europeans. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what they do. Now, seeing Henry is, you know, once again, he's nine years old and he's bored and there is no iPhone to give him and with YouTube back then to keep a kid quiet. So, yeah, so Henry's fidgeting at the, at the table, bored out of his mind, and there's nothing, you know, can't give a, the kid an iPhone or anything to keep him occupied to shut him up. But what they have is even better. They have a little black boy. <laughs> Here, take the child, Henry. So yes, the Sharifus asks if it'd be cool for um, the, the little slave boy Omar and Henry to go play in the garden. So um, they go off to play Orange Ball. Yeah, and apparently Omar sucks at Orange Ball. Yeah, Orange Ball, not his strongest game. So the grown-ups are talking. Now back at tea, the adults... Um, are talking about the merits of letting a country rule itself uh, rather of being under the oppression of a colonial power. Professor Jones keeps his trap shut about the issue. We can guess what he has <laughs> to say about this. Uh, don't think his opinions <laughs> would be... I, I, I don't know about his opinions. He's... I, I don't... I... There's just so much. There the, was so much to unpack. This, in this. tightly wound Scotsman. <laughs> he always he he's very quick to say that he's not, doesn't have an influence on any government. Um, mm -hmm. So, in the garden, they've known they've, they've shifted to orange hockey, and uh, Henry tries to figure out what this whole slave thing is all about. Uh, when Omar asks uh, if he should lose on purpose, because Henry's like, "Well, I want to win. I'm going to win." He's like, "Oh, do you do you want to win?" And he's like, "Wait, wait, wait, no." Uh, and so at first he thinks it's pretty cool that Omar doesn't have to constantly study under an evil, you know, British teacher like he does. Yeah, his it's so like, I, I, it's I, totally cool being a slave rocks because yeah, you don't have to go to school. You right? don't have to go to school. That's awesome. Now it was all very. I cringy. will say this: Henry's opinion about child slavery or slavery in general changes mm -hmm. in, in the in the story. So to be fair, uh, so T wraps up with the Sharifa asking Walter to present the Sultan with a bribe. <laughs> in order to keep her health programs uh, to continue. So we've got some, you know, nice governmental bribery. bribery going, but at least it's for a good cause. We, we like health programs. Um, when she learns that Henry hasn't had another child to play with in months, the lady just orders Omar to go travel with them and be a good companion uh, to, to the little white boy. Like you said, he just yeah. gives him just, a, just loans, have a loan, child. loans him a slave. 
Then they set out on horseback and carriage to go see the Sultan. And there's more long desert shots. Yes, there are. Out on the countryside, Walter warns Dr. Jones that bandits roam these hills ready to steal anything from a fine horse to a gold tooth. And Henry learns that Omar has never traveled anywhere in his whole damn life because, once again, he is a slave. Yeah, he showed him a map and stuff. Yeah, like he learned like Omar hasn't even heard of most like major countries in the world because slaves don't need to know any of these things. They need to know how to do their jobs, and that's literally it. And so, meanwhile, little Henry has already been, you know, over a good chunk of the globe, and he's not even ten years old yet. So Henry shows Omar his hand-drawn map of the world he's been making, um, and talks about he's going to be an archaeologist one day. Then he asks Omar, "What are you going to be when you grow up?" A slave. Exactly. And Henry like is under the opinion you can sort of graduate from being yeah. a slave. He's like, no, when you're when you grow when you grow up. So it's like first piece of knowledge Henry gets is that oh so oh, slave is like a lifetime deal. Yeah, it's a it's a forever deal. So uh at dinner, Henry is bummed that his new best friend is, you know, a fucking slave. <laughs> and so he's a little quiet. It's like, well, this that this is actually not as cool as I thought. Not going to school sounds awesome. Uh the rest of it. Not so much. Um, but but most of the grown-ups assure him that Omar is well taken care of. And in fact, better uh, enjoys a better standard of living than the average peasant. Because he lives in a nice lady, nice rich lady's home. And she's not a cruel, you know, she doesn't. Mistress. Yeah. They use the word mistress. Yeah. She, it's, it's She feeds him and, and clothes him and make, keeps him clean and safe. And, and I guess as for a white slave owner, she wasn't so bad. In fact, their local friend, uh, Walter, says... He is better off as a slave. That's like a like a direct quote. Yeah, and fuck that guy. But Miss Seymour, or or uh, maybe, educated, maybe not all, the most British always lady. the person on the right side of history. But in this case, she calls serious bullshit. Yeah, Miss Seymour calls bullshit. But Doctor Jones gives a soft defense of the institution of slavery. Not having slaves is a relatively new idea. Yeah, and gross. Yeah, his opinions. His opinions are really fucked. Uh, Ms. Seymour patiently explains to Henry that Omar has no choices at all, can be sold off like a pair of shoes. And Walter explains that they can also be stolen, which he said, that's what the real problem is, is the stealing. Bandits steal slaves and resell them uh, in a thriving, if illegal, trade. Nasty business, declares Dr. Jones. No one should be stealing slaves. They should yeah, the child trafficking? Yeah. No, so, all of it's bad. So Henry leaves this delightful conversation to go brush horses with Omar, which, you know, fair. And Omar is more is asked to have more questions about geography. And Henry explains that most of the world is ocean and that no one owns the ocean, which makes Omar really interested. Like, I in really the, dig the ocean. Just ocean. Nobody owns it or you. Yeah. And then Henry <laughs> tells Omar, he's like, you're not a slave around me. And they should shake hands uh, instead of Omar bowing every time Henry says things like, "Look, you no, know you're you're not a slave for me. You are my friend," even though that is tested completely that, 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 bullshit. That is that is tested, uh, and Henry fails this test coming up in a little yeah. bit. His his heart's in the right place. He again, but he sucks. Again, he's nine. He sucks. He's nine, and you've seen his parents. Ugh. So so far, I'm actually cheering that that Miss Seymour is here to be a good influence on him <laughs> as well as. Just make him the, you know, ridiculously educated for a fucking nine-year-old. Um, so at the city of Fez, which um, I didn't look up, but I hope is where the, the name of the, the cute hat comes from. Um, I think so. I vaguely remember that. So this is me showing my historical ignorance. I don't know everything. 
never claimed to. Walter tells Henry that the, the walls are there to keep the bad guys out. Does it work? Golly gee willikers. Oh no, by no means. <laughs> no, it work. This place is filled with villains. <laughs> this is a terrible city. Welcome to my home. <laughs> Walter also declares the city he lives in smells like incense and dead cats. Welcome to my delightful home. <laughs> the dead cat place. Don't worry, the incense covers up the dead cat smell. Glenn Cullos came in here a few weeks ago. Continue. It's so cringy. I just I just can't. Uh, at Walter Harris's home, they enjoy some lemonade. Yeah, they're really excited about the, the fucking lemonade. The lemonade is like comes up several times in this episode. They're into the lemonade. It's like when I guess fair in Morocco in 1908, that probably would hit the fucking spot. Served to them by once again Slaves. Ding. Yeah, don't do the every take a shot every time you see or talk about slaves in this episode, or you will be dead in the first fifteen minutes. Oh yeah, they they they're all about the slavery in this episode, but it's nothing but. Yeah, and even though they rush through it, they try to give us like the sense that some time has passed. So the boys are playing when Henry spots a mysterious man with a turban and his face wrapped, and they confront the thief and they start throwing shit at him and yelling at him, and then they learn that the thief is actually their host, Walter. In disguise. Yeah, he was wearing blackface. Well, brownface. Brownface. Yeah, you see, apparently, his work as a journalist involves going in brownface um, using walnut oil, which apparently washes off with lemon juice. So he stains his skin and then uh, dresses up and apparently speaks the local language and knows people well enough to, to go there. Because he said that, uh, that, that everyone despises Europeans and won't talk to them. So if he pretends to be a native Moroccan... Then, then, yeah, yeah, he won't get he can, a. Solid. He can get the. He can get the. He can get that tea. That not the actual literal tea, but the tea he tries to get for his job working for the London Times. So he literally is basically a journalistic spy, and uh, and and Henry try gets him to explain the difference between being a spy and a journalist. It's <laughs> odd. It's, this is just so bad. I'm I'm struggling. I'm struggling even talking about this. It's so gross. There was so much. Walter explains. Oh, you have no idea. Mm -hmm. Walter explains to Henry that he uh, went to go see the Grand Vizier who had pissed off the Sultan. But unfortunately for him, uh, the Grand Vizier was in a bad mood that day. So now, um, sorry, I got my pathetic. Walter explains to Henry he went to go see this uh, Grand Vizier. This dude had pissed off the Sultan. And unfortunately for him, the Sultan was in a bad mood. And the Grand Vizier's head was now on a stick in the marketplace. Golly gee willikers, I'd really like to see that severed head. Cheapers. Henry gets into it. He wants to know the details. Are his eyes open? Walter answers in Arabic, and Henry reveals he totally um, has... Is fluent is in Arabic. fluent in Arabic since the last episode, which, like I said, if we're going by the way they revise the timeline, it's been a few months. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so... Um, like Annette had just told him, learn Arabic. It's like, okay. And now he's fluent in Arabic like three or four months later. And so Genius. the phrase he said about the head was, he stares but sees nothing. So before they head to tea, Henry looks at the Arab disguise kit and we could all like see the little light bulb bing, right above his head. It's like, I expect I'll be using this later for, for adorable little for boy hijinks. Before the grown-ups head off to meet the Sultan, Henry's mom tells him not to leave the house, and Miss Seymour reminds him that he has three chapters of Latin to study. He is nine. He is nine years old and he has to read three goddamn chapters of Latin. Yeah. I mean, I can understand why he had that, wait, you don't have to go to school line? It makes a lot more sense if you understand what school means for a, this nine-year-old. School sucks. School, yeah. 
the literal moment the boring adults are gone, Henry runs to Omar to hatch his scheme for them to go see the salted head on a stick. Yeah. Omar wasn't pleased with this. He 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 was not about it. Omar immediately is like, America not Hell safe no. in marketplace. Henry says he can disguise himself as an Arab, so that way nobody would know he's American. He's like, even as Arab, not safe. Yeah, being an unattended child in the yeah. place with the child slavery ring is bad. And Henry tells Omar to stop arguing with him, and that this led, and the moment he says that, the slave boy says, as you bid. And that makes Henry feel a little uncomfortable and squirmy. So he doesn't want to like order Omar to come, but he wants Omar to want to go. And Omar was, I do not want to go. Exactly. And then he, Henry says, don't say that. And then Omar goes, as you bid. <laughs> Henry just says, just stop saying that and just come with me and you'll feel better about it later. So he literally, he, he orders Omar to come spoiler, with him. Spoiler, he does, does not. not want Omar's like, I got a good thing going on. I do not want you to fuck my life up. This is a bad idea, but I have to obey because I that I am a slave. So, and I am currently on loan to this nine-year-old shithead. Omar's just full of regrets about life right now. So Omar helps Henry get into brown face <laughs> in a turban, which is weird and, and uncomfortable. It is. It's very weird and uncomfortable. And then they march out into the marketplace. They sure fucking do. And so you see Henry gets startled by a fucking king cobra in the street. Because they're like a snake charmer. And then he bumps into a dude with a huge gap between his teeth who looks very menacing and laughs in his face. Oh, yeah. And it's like, they might as well have literally just put a pirate hat on this dude. Arr. Like, you know he's the bad guy. So, yeah, the smile straight from To Catch a Predator. <laughs> uh, the shot lingers on him being a little too interested in the young boys. Um, so then the boys ask around, and a guy with a knife offers to take them to a second location. And they're like, yeah, let's go. Well, not they. They. Just Henry. Henry. Henry's all about it. And Omar's, Omar's like, like, no, let's, let's head back. He's like, it's, it's late. We need to get back. This is a bad idea. We're going to get in trouble. But uh, Henry, once again, overrules him and, again, uses his authority as the slave Lindy. Uh, to order Omar. And of course, the moment they make it around the corner, the child kidnappers grab the boys. But Omar's got moves, and he like he knees the assailant right in the berries and then makes the getaway while Henry is just taken like a little bitch, just grabbed us screaming and crying, and Omar and makes a heroic getaway. Yep. He ducked behind some shit. He was he wily. Hid, uh, he hid under some sheets and, and got away uh, while the guys were chasing him, and Omar slips away. And if Omar had any fucking common sense, he would have just he would have just ran away, away from all of it because there was no going back without Henry. But like he's like, I'm fucked. I am peace out, all <laughs> of you. Fuck you, white people. I'm taking my chances. But I don't know. Then again, you know, in his situation, what's he gonna do? Poor fucking Omar in this story. <laughs> Omar is definitely the the quiet hero of the story. The quiet hero and biggest victim. <laughs> So Henry's all trussed up and quickly locked in a dark building before anyone notices the obvious child abduction. Because, you know, like they're, they're, they are kind of circumspect about this. That's why they go around a corner and quickly just throw them in a place because, you know, not everybody's cool with abducting children in the street, just some people. Well, I mean, but then you cut to the next scene and Henry's like getting up out of his dark well, hole. Well, yeah. He's thrown in there, um, and you see Omar hides from his pursuers. You see Henry uses his foot to kick rocks at a rat who's coming at him, because you know, because he's all tied up and is vulnerable to being nibbled on by rats. Um, and you, see, yeah, just like you were saying, he like wriggles uh, like his way through a hole in the floor, 
So like because this is just like a little shack just sitting on top of the dirt, and his head just kind of like sticks up yeah. out, of, out of a hole in the ground, because he's he's bound and gagged. But you also see like just children being snatched off the street like nobody gives a shit. Yeah, this this place is rough. Like the city of Fez is not where you want. They be literally a... were just like picking up small children I mean, and were putting not... them in baskets. If this is how it's like, they were not fucking around. Um, so he manages to catch Omar's attention. And so they attempt a daring escape by hiding under Omar's, like, stolen sheet. Um, but both boys are snatched by the child slavers who announce they are going on a trip. So, like, once again, they ch- like, there's several times where this, like, there's, like, the her- like these moments where I was like, okay, now the kids are going to make their heroic escape. Yeah, this is once again, this takes the, the idea of child slavery a little bit more seriously than in, like, an adventure movie. This is not a Goonies <laughs> kind of thing where the kids are going to get the better of the adults gets a little serious in this episode yeah no yeah, we're, we're coming up with some harsh shit it it's it's pretty rough this yeah, one was genuinely upsetting so... and like i said i'll give it credit for the fact it doesn't pull some punches even if it's just like a little snapshot of some how bad some of this stuff is but anyway uh back at the harris household mrs jones can't find her son anywhere and dr jones is more concerned that the sultan nodded off during his super interesting lecture <laughs> than giving a fuck where his little boy is. Meanwhile, Miss Seymour is convinced the little shit is hiding from his Latin test. Mom's like, no, uh, you how about, never hide. No, my little angel. Uh, but then Walter sees that someone has been messing with his walnut oil Arab disguise kit. And he's like, oh, shit. Oh, f- fuck. My bad, you guys. <laughs> I might have told the most irresistible story to an adventurous little boy and told him, ooh, that he can go in disguise yeah. and be like a daring adventurer. It's like, Maybe that maybe I was dumb. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, maybe that was not great. Um, so so really, what we've learned over the last two episodes is adults should really fucking carefully talk to children because otherwise they get <laughs> scary ideas in their heads, like fucking, fucking dumb ideas, mummies uh, and mummies and and, 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 and disguise. Going in disguise, you can go see a, a shriveled head. So yeah, the the staff looks around, or sorry, the slaves look around the <laughs> the estate boys are gone so walter and dr jones run off into the market and learn the boys were taken which sends them back for walter to enact a plan to rescue henry so walter takes personal responsibility for this it's like uh i i have fucked up (laughs) but i will i'll make it right don't worry i got this it's good i got this um and he assures mrs jones that he will never forgive himself he does if he does not return their son safely does not mention omar yeah no omar was not on anyone's radar. Omar is collateral damage as far as everyone's concerned at this point. There is a white boy to find. This is a job for Brownface. <laughs> Walter once again dons his disguise and mounts his horse and rides off at a gallop. Our second heroic British guy who likes to cosplay as an Arab in a row. But at least at least Lawrence just was wearing like the clothes, just like yeah. the practical outfit, like a turban's a, a, a smart thing to wear in the in the desert. Yeah. And he he still rode around on his bicycle, half dressed in his suit. He wasn't pretending. Like this guy, full on, is in disguise. However, prob- probably the smart thing to do in this situation. So out in the desert, we're back at the slave caravan, and Omar tells Henry to shut the fuck up and stop speaking English because, you know, they'll kill him <laughs> rather than allow him to be a complication. It's like, oh, if we're going to get in trouble because there's an American, we will leave him half buried in the sand and we will be out and no one will ever know it was us. So, so, and then Henry has an amazing revelation. He's like, kill me? 
that's not good. Ugh. Straight line from the show. Ay, 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 ay. Jeepers. Golly gee whiz, being killed sure would be not great. That wouldn't be swell at all. Um, Omar says their best hope at this point is for a good and kind master to buy them when they get sold at auction. But Henry, has, once again, he has his future Indiana Jones. He's not going to just wait around to be bought at a slave auction. It's time for another escape plan. Which is the dumbest. No, they're all sleeping at night, yeah. It's so dumb. They're all, they're trussed up and like in these giant pillowcases. <laughs> Nothing but their necks hanging out. Right. <laughs> Wiggling so, around like work. So, fr- and yep. they were tied up in the dumbest way. It was like this half ass corral that they Well, that was the thing. They're all, the, all the kids are tri- tied up in their giant pillowcases. Mm-hmm. And then there was just like a big rope strung over where they were sleeping. And then they sort of easily able to get out of that. But all they can do is kind of inchworm their way like up the hill and try to get away. Which they did not. They fell down. Yeah, they, they fell down they, and immediately started to fail. They that shit yep. all the way down to the bottom. They, they fell down and broke their crown, but then suddenly there's the sound of horses in the darkness. Henry, we're saved! The tribe, yeah, Henry's like, we're being rescued! And he's thrilled to see their kidnappers are all horribly killed. So these two children are traumatized as murder happens right in front of them. Like, like in the last episode, Henry witnessed the, the results of a murder. This time he straight up watches a bunch of guys get fucking murked however he doesn't give a shit he's like well no these are the guys who uh, yeah, kidnapped us into guys. slavery so he's like yay look at these guys get killed hooray we're saved oh wait and then right <laughs> no. but then suddenly uh-huh. this dude grabs his mouth and checks henry's teeth and he's like good teeth very good in arabic omar helpfully explains that they were just stolen <laughs> from being so and they were just gonna go right to the same place they were gonna go it's just that now these new guys are gonna get the money instead of the dead guys and henry can't believe it he's like you mean we're not rescued like no dipshit like, we're not rescued all these little adventure stories that he they're just all in his brain he's just baffled that there's just more bad guys so yeah henry's like we're not rescued no um, dipshit we're not rescued no at this point, I am fairly certain that Omar hates Henry with every fiber <laughs> of his being. As he should. No, he absolutely should. Like, like he didn't have a the. I mean, like, like in the tra- the chain of of life situations in the world in 1908, he wasn't in a great one. But at least for being a slave, he was in one of the better situations because he was in a rich home that with nice people in charge. But it's, it's like Henry just ruined his fucking life. Like he could be going to uh, like someone who beats or molests his slave. I mean, God knows what's going to happen to this poor kid. And it's all Henry's fault just because he wanted to see a goddamn severed head. Yeah, Omar should be better at this point. Yeah, and he reminds him. It's like, we should pray for now for a kind master. <laughs> it's like that is how fucking bleak we're at. And it's not even as bleak as we're going to get. So the next morning, Walter investigates the massacre uh, from the previous night of the first slaver group. But then he sees the camel tracks leading off to the slave markets of Marrakesh. So he once again takes his horse. Which takes has, off. The horse has this like really cool looking blue saddle blanket. And he looks. he makes a very dashing looking fake Arab <laughs> figure with his turban all and of, all, all that All dressed shit. in like velvet black. Yeah. So, so now we cut to Marrakesh, where we see dozens of screaming, crying children uh, being hauled by their feet up through a small and hole beaten and with, whipped with rods. Yeah, being little, being whipped because <laughs> they have these like long rods with just short little cord whips because they're not they're, they don't want to mark. They're not trying to put like actual lash marks on these kids for this the market just just enough to keep them in line. Um, and then uh, you know iron column, co- sorry. <clears throat> Iron collars being clamped around their necks. Yeah, it's, it's little bleak. little bitty crying kids. 
Uh, you see slavers smack children with sticks for no apparent reason. Uh, another little boy you see getting just whipped as he's being hoisted feet first through the hole in the floor. Indy doesn't know what the fuck to do at this point. He's just he's standing like, there like an asshole like, going like, what this is, is like, this is not part of this. I mean, I mean, to be fair, this is probably like he had probably no concept that this is a thing that existed in the world as a nine year old in in his little little yeah. privileged bubble. So suddenly he's like, this, this is a thing that happens to little kids. And now it's going to happen to me. And he's like, it's starting to sink in just how bad he fucked up. Um, and just then he gets grabbed by a slaver yeah. and hauled up into the. Yeah. Yeah. It's like they're trying to tell us slavery's bad mm. or something. Yeah. Uh, Henry looks sad. He's and, on the oh. chopping block. Yeah. Like <laughs> there, there's a shot on them where you see Henry just looking like incredibly sad. And Omar has this very distant but coldly angry <laughs> look, which 100% <laughs> is directed at his at his fake Arab buddy. Um. So Henry asks, I'll never see my mother and father again, will I? Omar, tell me the truth. And then Omar, instead of answering that directly, uh kind of like tries to shove some fucking empathy in his face. He's like, he's like, I never knew my mother or my father. Like I was born yeah. into slavery and, and, and so it's like the, the shut the fuck up is, is implied. It's like, you've still got it better than me, motherfucker. At least you've got to know what your parents' faces look like. Shut up. You ruined my life. I hate you. <laughs> The slave children are herded to the slave market, where potential buyers poke and grope at Henry and Omar as they walk by. Um, so we watch the first slave get auctioned off with only a few bids for the crowd. And then suddenly Henry is grabbed and thrown up in the auction block. And there's suddenly lots of shouting and jeering. So they show off his good American teeth, not knowing he's American because he's still he's got the walnut oil all over him. And the auctioneer shouts, we'll grow big, more money. Which you know we see in subtitles from the from the Arabic. Um, so like, buy future Harrison Ford. And then there's the bidding war. Yes, and uh, so just as the bidding on Henry begins, is when Walter in disguise shows up into the market. So you, we see this one angry looking motherfucker in a yellow turban, and he bids sixty reals, and Walter counters with a hundred. And like I said, this bidding war goes on, and it gets all the way up to four hundred, which is just too rich for yellow turban's blood. But he looks pissed. Like he like shakes his fist in anger. Like I didn't get did, didn't get the good teeth slave I wanted. So Henry's been saved, but he doesn't realize it at first. And Omar looks with sad anger as Henry <laughs> is hauled away. It's like I the only good thing about this is I will never see you again. <laughs> I hate you, dude. So once outside the auction yard, Walter drops the disguise, and Henry realizes he's finally been saved. So Walter makes Henry promise that he will never do anything as foolish as this again. And he was like, sure. So, yeah, sure, no problem. Sure, dude. mister, this will never happen again, I will except never, for, like, next time. I will never never do anything reckless or stupid ever again for the rest of my life. I will live in peace and safety. <laughs> <laughs> so Henry, did, But Henry, to his credit, does not want to leave without Omar. And Walter pushes back. He's like, Omar is a slave. It's a slave. It doesn't matter he's if a he's slave. a slave here he's or there. Or he's everywhere. A slave. It makes no Whatever. difference. But Henry refuses to leave. Uh, Walter explains he only brought 500 in cash with him and he spent 400 of it uh, buying Henry back. So he's only got 100 left, which is not going to be enough to buy a young, healthy slave like Omar. So they don't have enough. So no, tough luck sucks, but this is, this is just what it is. But Henry says, we got to try. So back in the auction yard, the yellow turban guy notices Walter bidding on Omar. He didn't even want Omar at first. 
But then he's like, oh, wait, that you? Fuck you, dude. Like, he he literally just pure, we have a, a spite-driven bidding war, but at, at a lower amount. So it gets up to gets up to Walter throwing out his max bid of a hundred. So he's like, if it goes any higher than this, they're fucked. Omar is fucked. Uh, but then Henry has an idea, and he shows off his fluent Arabic. So he loudly asks in Arabic, "Master, why are you bidding so high?" Uh, he cannot. He can't talk. He is mute. Um, Walter plays. He's like, "Oh, okay, I get what you're trying to do here." And so he smacks the shit out of Henry to sell the lie. <laughs> and Henry wasn't expecting it either. Like, oh, he was like, "Oh, fuck." Uh, he's like, why didn't you not tell me sooner? So the yellow turban guy thinks he's screwing Walter over by sticking him with a mute slave. So the, le- the so he lets the hundred real bid, bid stand. Um, and so now both boys have been rescued. Hooray! Hooray! Now in the courtyard, Walter drops a disguise and let, lets Omar know he's going back to the Sharifa. And Omar, for the first time, looks almost happy. He's like, wait. I don't have to get beaten with sticks. He gets to go back to his previous slave life as opposed to the potentially horrifying one he had. Um, However, Yellow Turban Guy sees them and realizes this is some filthy foreigners up to no good in his neighborhood. There's trickery. There's trickery afoot. So both boys mount up with Walter on his one horse and they awkwardly gallop away with Omar on the ass end just sort of (laughs) bouncing and looking like he's about to fall off every second. And then it's like cutscene. They're still bouncing away in the exact same position. And again, this had to be yeah. over at least the course of a day. Yeah, just bouncing on Omar is like, oh god, his his testicles, that poor kid. But the- they finally make it back, and everyone gets to hug and see Henry. And then Omar just looks on, going, uh, "Yeah." So back at Walter's place, yes, as you said, there is joyful Jones family reunion. And gratitude for Walter's heroic use of lies and money and and brown face. So the next thing you know, we're back at the Sharifa's estate. So Zoop, we're out of Fez. We're all the way back. Um, where they lie their asses off to her and let her know that Omar was a very good and obedient slave to Henry. And he was. Very good, she approves. Yes, I believe uh, Dr. Jones is like, yeah, she obeyed uh, Henry's every whim. <laughs> Even though he shouldn't have. Yeah. My son is an asshole. <laughs> So Henry says his goodbyes to Omar, who tells him, I hope you get to be an archaeologist. And Henry replies, and I hope you get to, uh, uh, well, I uh, hope hope I get to see you again. Yeah. Awkward. (laughs) Uh, So Omar again shows interest in seeing the ocean one day. And and he tells Henry one of the saddest fucking lines in the show, at least so far. And he's like, you have given me dreams to dream. It is not my place to see or go like you. But at least now I have dreams. It's like, Jesus Christ. This is bleak as fuck. It's as bleak as fuck as it gets. And then that's the end. Yeah. (laughs) Feeling horrible, Henry gives Omar... His map. His hand-drawn map. And who thanks him and and bows. And he's like, no, Omar. Friends shake hands. And this is where the chapter ends for us. With little Henry learning an important lesson. Slavery is bad? Slavery is bad, and yeah, he wasn't all about it. It made him uncomfortable. It made us uncomfortable. It made everyone uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable episode. This was so cringy. The last one, I mean, it had its moments, but it wasn't just a cringe fest the entire time. This one sucked. But guess what? Hmm. It's not quite over yet, because I have a surprise for you. No. I have recovered pages from the original teleplay so we can relive the magic 
that would have hit our televisions in the 90s had the show not been canceled. So I'm going to give you the pages, and then I'm going to read the directions in Old Indies lines, and you're going to read the lines for Mona, an overbearing beauty pageant mom, and the contestant Jenny, her daughter. All right, so here we are. We're going to do our dramatic reading from... Um, from this script, the original old indie ending that the world was denied, Bambi. I know you're excited. So, uh, with the show, you know how the show ended with uh, with young Henry and Omar, sh- like friends shake hands and they and they have a nice little handshake. Well, in the original cut of the episode, you got to hear old indie give a voiceover over that handshake. Two years later, they abolished slavery in Morocco. The Sharifa gave Omar his freedom. He learned to read and write. He eventually became a sea captain. So then we cut to the present day. You see the protesters at the beauty pageant. The audience and contestant and judges listen. Old Indy says, Last time I talked to him, he was deciding whether to go to China or Greenland. He had a choice. All right, all right. You're saying no one is forcing these young women to be here. That they have a choice. And then his daughter interrupts. Yeah, Omar finally got a choice. And he exercised it. Well, Mom. She looks out into the audience, takes the microphone from old Indy. Mom, the only reason I'm here, because you talked me into it. Tap dancing lessons when I was two, singing when I was three, piano when I was four, ballet when I was five. Get the picture? I think so. I never wanted to do it. Mom, I'm exercising my choice. If you want to get up here and wear this ribbon in this bathing suit and these high heels, then you do it. Contestant Jenny starts to walk off, comes back and gives old Indy a wonderful kiss on the cheek. Thank you. No, thank you. The piano player, I guess there's a piano player at this beauty contest, starts playing A Pretty Girl is Like a Melody and old Indy watches Jenny walk off, fade out the end. That's fucking awful. That's, so, so now we know, Bambi, that uh, the beauty pageant contestants are the same as child slaves in Marrakesh in 1908. Uh, so I guess old Indy was there protesting the child beauty pageants because it was slavery. I don't we know. We don't know why the fuck he I, I honestly am terrified to know <laughs> why, why old he Indy? was there. Because weirdly enough. And talking into a microphone about slavery. So I found this script online from some dude who's been collecting these young Indiana Jones scripts. There's a Google Drive with them on there. But this version is weird because it's it's like it, it, it doesn't have the old indie beginning of this cut of the teleplay. So I don't know. I guess it's because they reshot some things later when they did the home video. But then they left the old indie thing at the end, so I don't know. Either way, at least it's we got... It's weird, it's it creepy. Ends. We don't know how it begins, and it's a little, little disturbing. So This whole episode was so a anyway, little disturbing. So anyway, that's how it was supposed to end, was with that baffling fucking scene at a beauty pageant. So now, world, you know. Uh, so, but this means, Bambi, guess what? It's time to move on to our next section. That belongs in a museum! This is the section where we go over the historical figures, lessons, and artifacts featured in today's episode. So, today our setting is North African Morocco in 1908. As like This is when different colonial powers were all fucking with the country at the same time. Like four or five different ones. All trying to... like So there's like zones of control uh, in Morocco at this point. Um, interesting note, uh, in the original script for this episode, all of the slave bids were in pesetas, which was like the Spanish currency. And I probably said that wrong. 
Um, but uh, so that was not used um, in Morocco for a few more years. So this was like an ac- that was anachronistic. So there's no clue. Um, but sorry. So like the original script had the the Spanish currency, but uh, then they actually switched it correctly to the real before they actually like shot the episode or maybe they reshot shit. I don't know. Um, no idea. I don't think that the going rate for child slaves was historically accurate because they kept the amounts the same. They just literally scratched mm-hmm. out one currency for another. But you know, whatever. Yeah, I guess that's not the thing. That's... I'm not really gonna <laughs> gonna be. That's not the the nit I'm gonna pick. If you apply real world history to this episode, it becomes a lot more disturbing in a minute. Oh, because it wasn't already disturbing. Not enough. Oh wow. So, Walter Burton Harris. Was uh, He was a famous writer and journalist who was native to England, but he settled in Morocco at age 19 and lived most of his life in Tangier. Uh, and in fact, he was uh, famous for his ability to speak uh, French, Spanish, and Moroccan Arabic so fluently he could easily pass for a native whenever he wanted. So like, he, he showed up when he was literally still a teenager and really got into it and just, just fit in. It. And um, I didn't actually see any um, stories of him actually donning like actually like like dyeing his skin i think he just had such a good tan and then like he he just dressed the part he could fit in like i never heard of him actually like like he wore then he wore the clothes and everything but he and he definitely adopted a disguise but he didn't actually like do the brown face thing i think they made that up for the show for for indie because yeah i never heard of any of these explorers like even sort of like richard like sir richard francis burton he didn't like he just had a really good tan and he just knew how to do makeup and clothes and and all that, and then he could. That's why he got to sneak into all this shit. But anyway, so they put that in there so that Indy could do that. I'm, I'm convinced at least. Um, he used the British fascination with exotic places of the world to write uh, well-regarded books about countries of the near and far east. So he, he really got money because there was a huge appetite back in jolly old England for these stories of Arabia and the Orient and you know all this far-off places and you know north africa so harris played an active part um in international disputes in morocco using his access to high-ranking figures to influence the course of events so uh he served as a special correspondent in yemen in 1892 and in athens in 1915 where he uh caused a dispute between king constantine the first of greece and oh geez <laughs> someone i cannot pronounce Letherios Vanilios. Wow, I, I can't even remember writing these words. After writing articles critical of the latter for the time. So he's like fucking, like literally using his position and writing for the newspaper to literally stoke international disputes. Oh, he's lovely. wielding wielding the power of the pen. Um, Harris's role was not always helpful to the British government as he periodically undermined the efforts of British diplomats in Morocco. So he really had a lot of sympathy for the natives. He kind of yeah, one of these well, white hopefully. colonizers who kind of went native. Uh, he was awarded the Legion d'Honneur and the title of commander of something of Morocco mm-hmm. by France. Uh, Harris died on uh, the 4th of April, 1933, and was buried in the Church of St. Andrew in Tangier. Uh, Villa Harris, his ex- the expensive home that we got to see the you know young indie yeah. version of, is uh, in the hills of east of Tangier. Was renovated and it opened as a museum in nineteen. I'm sorry, in 2021. So as of oh just wow. a few years ago. So if you happen to be in Tangier, if you want to visit Walter Harris's home, you like, you can. I don't think you'll find a walnut oil disguise kit though. Did they actually use his his for real house? 
Do we know that? I don't think so. It was just I, I, on that. I don't know the answer. Yeah. I was just guessing no. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I mean, they gave it a a nice little. But yeah, there wasn't a big landscape shot of no, the house. So, but, they just gave a little and snapshot. And like apparently, I don't know what the state of ownership was back Why then. Why are there so many walls? But like I said, apparently this guy was a big enough deal that making it a museum just two years ago was a thing. So uh, here is something a little uncomfortable fact that I, I found straight on his Wikipedia page. It, and it makes his interest in little Henry a little more problematic. You see... According to his Wikipedia page, uh, um, Walter Harris, quote, lived an openly homosexual, tending toward pedophilic lifestyle thereafter, though this was little hindrance in the social milieu of Tangier at the time, unquote. Oh, ew. He was a little bit of a a pedophile. Oh, why? They why are a, we That This is gross. They made this a pedophile the hero of this episode. This just took a real dark turn. Oh, little Henry, you're a little... Hair, go off with my son. Oh, fuck. This is dark. Yeah. I don't know if they if that was like as well known in the 90s when they wrote this episode. I don't know. But that's... like, like I found it just literally on his Wikipedia page. <laughs> just like, oh, who's, who's this guy? Oh, yikes. Yeah. Jeepers. <laughs> Golly gee whiz. Ugh, I'm in danger. <laughs> All right, so now let's talk about Emily Keene, a.k.a. the Sharifa of Wazan. Um, I didn't see any of reference her being called the Sharifa of Jabal, but again, I don't know shit. So I'm not claiming I have any, like, unlike the, the topics I research on our scripted shows where I at least feel like I'm grounded in those topics, here I, like, I, I, I kind of look up some shit real quick and that's it. So, um, but I didn't, so I, I she was known as the Sharifa of, of Wazan. Which, once again, I'm pronouncing all of these names incorrectly. Let's just assume that. Um, and she was an unusual figure in Morocco because uh, she had traveled there uh, when she was a governess, when she was very young, and she fell in love with the Sharif Awazan. He's like this very important regional governor, and I guess, according to the episode anyway, supposedly like a direct descendant of Muhammad. Now, uh, they got married despite intense pressure from both families. So this is a... Uh, this is a mixed race, mixed like, culture, mixed religion marriage, which is kind of a big deal when this took place, which was the literal 18 fucking hundreds. Um, despite the epic love story, this one ends in divorce after the Sharifa discovered her husband being a cheating bastard. Cause, because wah, men. Wah. Uh, the timeline presented on the show seems wonky. It's really kind of hard to say if, if she really could have been around for in this capacity because like the real emily Keene got married in 1873 um and then she was divorced before the old sharif died in 1891 which is literally eight years before little henry jones jr was supposed to have been born if he was a real person in the real world um so in 1912 the former sharifa published a book simply titled my life story which is apparently really well regarded because and once again i can understand why especially in early 20th century, you know, England, why this the tale of this woman who exi- married this exotic Eastern man would have been like, ooh, very titillating. Um, so, and yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting too. So it's like at this, I think when I was actually looking at pages of this original script, they actually addressed that, the idea that her her they kind of made her sound more like a widow, not that she had d- divorced after the cheating bastard had uh, cheated on her. But either way, um, Old Indy was full of shit 
when he said in the narration that old Mor- that like Morocco just got rid of slavery in 1910. Because uh, mm-hmm. while there was a lot of pressure to end the practice uh, from certain colonial forces in the country, public slaves weren't banned until 1923. And then they just went private. You just couldn't do it out in the open anymore. Um, and mostly then it was like, because they w- we went private, that meant it was just rich people, mostly house slaves, because they weren't going to be running around with them anymore because of the whole, you know, trying to That's outlaw a bad thing. thing. So literally like house slaves like Omar would have been the staple at this point, um, like kidnapped children mostly. Because that was a thing still going on at that point. Uh, toward the end of the 1950s, slavery in the country was said to be limited to the household servants and royal harem of the king. So only women. 1950s. Yeah, at that point, it was just... It was just well, women. Well, it was, it was also mostly the women, but I'm sure there was some men in the household staff as well. But yes, then the harem. This practice was officially dissolved in 1999. Oh. After... Uh. After this episode came out, originally. they're gonna party like it's 1999. Ikes. That's the part. Like truly, like uh, like the last Moroccan slaves were officially freed by law. At least it may have the, uh, in practice may have been earlier, but at least on paper didn't get freed until after this episode actually aired, or it didn't air but went on DVD. That's fucking terrible. Amazing. Um, so, but at least in the fictional world, Omar was set free to become a scurvy sea captain. That made me happy. Yeah. And the thing is, that was not in the episode that they put on home video. No. Omar was just left. And you're just left. Oh, you're just a slave. Oh. At least Old Indy told us that he got away and he was fine. Even if it was all horse shit. Because he's a senile old he's bastard. He's a senile old man. He doesn't know what's <laughs> going on. Making shit up all the time. Whatever. Thanks, This Old is Indy. just like slavery. And now it's time for our next section. It's not the years, honey. It's the mileage. This is the section we talk about the development of Dr. Henry Jones Jr. into the man he will one day become. And we're only two episodes in so far, so let's see. Henry's bravery score stays high. Yeah, his stupidity score also stays very high. These things are holding hands the whole way. Um, you know, his common sense score lives in the sub basement because <laughs> even when an, uh, when a practical friend that he's promised to listen to is in front of him saying, this is a bad Let idea. It. He's like, nah, it's gonna be fine. It'll be great. I want you to go. Um, we, we see he's continually forced to study by Miss Seymour who makes a nine year old read three chapters of Latin in a single fucking day. Well, yeah, and he also managed to learn an entire language fluently yeah. within a, a matter of months. He is a super genius, obviously, <laughs> while also being an annoying little shit and a menace to the people around him. He does. He looks more like Dennis the Menace than he does Indiana Jones. Yeah. Now, according to old Indy, Omar and him stayed friends and wrote to each other. <laughs> Omar didn't know how to write. Yeah, well, the voiceover said he learned. He learned eventually, but still. Did you hear still. the voiceover that was totally the, the truth? So how did the ex-slave go and fi- uh, it, There's so much to unpack well, there. See, honestly, Omar sounds like a bright bright guy. All right, so anyway, thanks to Ned's encouragement. I wish him the best. Yeah, uh, yeah th- thanks to Ned's encouragement last episode, Henry managed a casual mastery of Arabic in only about, you know, three months maybe. So if, if, if this episode had taken place in the original planned timeline at least it would have been over a year which for a nine-year-old kid constantly exposed is totally doable totally doable but not over a matter of a few months yeah 
So we'll see. It'll be interesting to see as we go along if Henry show his how his language skills seem to bounce around, but we, we shall see. So uh, after his time with Lawrence Arabia and Howard Carter, he is still committed to being an archaeologist. Like he is, he is just put a He's pin in his it. career plan already. So yeah, this is long before we even see him in, in River Phoenix mode. He's like already much, very much wants to be an archaeologist and is heading toward that bit. Um, we already see he's comfortable on horseback. We already used to riding and camels. And camels. Spend a lot of time on boats. So he's just in and travel. I'm sure lots of planes because he's bounced around with his parents. Um, we also see a basic competence at both orange ball and orange hockey. He, he can sport. Now, of course, we have to address the jeepers of it all. Because that is Jeepers is said at least four times in this episode, along with holy smokes and other adorable little little apple cheeked little rascal shit. It's very gross. Um now Henry never manages to escape captivity by himself this episode. He keeps trying, so we'll give him some like experience points in the escape artist type thing, which we see him do several times. But then he on. loses points by never getting away. Well, you only, I mean, you learn the most by failure, Bambi. <laughs> this isn't so, if failure is the greatest teacher, he's learned some shit this week because he failed in he everything. Spectacularly. I mean, the, only, the only good thing he did was literally come up with a daring lie at the very end and then got himself backhanded by a pedophile. But it saved Omar. So good for you, Henry. Ooh, he took one for the team. Yeah. So uh, Henry learns a little something about disguising himself as an Arab, which, by the way, he does again in my very favorite movie of all time. Yeah. Well, without the brown face, though. He yeah. just wears the clothes, which is a which little is less cringy. Uh, he also did. Uh, did yeah, we also see the bullshit talent. Like he came up with an immediate clever lie uh, to save Omar at the end. Yeah. That's where the writing came in because India, India at this point is dumb well, as well, fuck. Well, it's like because there's like this whole thing is like he's this is supposed to be his development as a hero, and this is a very unheroic episode where he just make he he just near he nearly ruins his own and someone else's <laughs> life and breaks his parents' hearts and and makes everyone else feel stupid and guilty. Although I have to say the one thing about this episode is he did get a hug from his father for like yeah, the so first time. His father seemed genuinely like <laughs> He was genuinely Jugger? very upset and concerned that his son No, there was, was like I, I didn't really talk about it, but there was a ar he got into an argument with Walter at one point where he was like, "No, I'm going with you." And Walter's like, "No, you can't do brown face the way I can. We have no time for this." And you know what? I Mammy? need to be alone with the boys. And guess what? We did it. We're done. We made it through episode 2. Uh the cringiest episode so this far. This was like so, I mean, fucking all over the place in tone from sort of like, like it's starting as this sort of apple pie. I mean, I guess that's what they're going for. I mean, they were trying to gut punch mm -hmm. you when they cut to that scene of the kids being hauled through the floor and whipped with sticks. I mean, it was like, okay, okay, George Lucas, goddamn, we get your point. <laughs> this is bad. Yeah. Like he, he wanted to tell us Nazis was bad. And, and, child, now like, and, and now child slavery is child also bad. Child slavery and trafficking is also bad. So we've all learned something. And beauty pageants, exactly the same thing. Uh, well, I mean. So I hope. So so I'm sorry. So honey so boo boo. So the story about pedophiles is I just take back, solidified. I take back everything I said about honey boo boo. Except the one thing. Uh, <laughs> Uh, thank you. If you're listening to this, once again, it's because you have actually uh, decided to throw flowers up on our beauty pageant stage of podcasting, and we appreciate you. Um, you can tune in for more stuff from us. We are looking at doing more Value Tales books. 
the the uh, adorable children's books our parents forced on us when we were kids. And uh, we will be doing more scripted content, more bonus articles on the website. So just go to chainsawhistory.com. And we will catch you on the flip side. See ya. Bye. Why does he care about my teeth? Because we have been stolen. What are they going to do with us? Sell us. So we're, we're not rescued? We are still slaves to be sold. We should pray now for a kind master.